And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday morning. We've got all your Monday night action from the NBA right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host again, Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Trayvon Edwards. Trey, what's going on? What's going on, Jay? All right, well, we got Trey here. We've got Brian Smith pushing the buttons behind the scenes here. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. You can subscribe now. And you can save by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding, where you can receive an all access subscription and you get one to give for free. You don't want to miss any of the breaking stories on your favorite teams across the NBA, across all the sports. So just go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all access subscription and get a subscription to give away for $3.99 a month. So coming up on today's show, we got Hornets versus Knicks with Gordon Hayward going off. We have a thrilling ending between the Blazers and the Raptors, and we have a lot of big COVID news to get to. But first, what happened at the end? Spicy P trying to get it done. Didn't happen. Toronto, second night of a back-to-back, second night of Spicy P just not being quite caliente enough on the final possession as they lose to the Blazers, 112 to 111. Siakam had a 22-point triple-double. On the other side, we got 30, 23, and 20 from CJ, Dame, and Melo, respectively. It all came down to that final play there where Siakam once again has to create an isolation and just barely misses. Let's start from the ending and then we'll kind of work our way back, Trey. But what did you see on that last play? I really didn't like how they got him situated in that scenario. I know he wanted to back in and probably try to get a look over the top, but that wasn't one of his strengths, you know, especially for that look, just because you're kind of turning in and you're 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 kind of offset. And with the desperation of trying to get a basket in there, not probably not best. I would have probably liked him to be able to face up and maybe get a better look as a jumper or probably draw two and find another guy for somebody else to look. But, you know, obviously, like you said, 22, 13, and 10, one of the good nights for him. They definitely had this game in the bag. I mean, we saw that the offense was looking beautiful in crunch time where they were running so many actions where they would get all the attention focused on Fred or Kyle Lowry coming around the screen and getting the ball. And then Siakam would just slip completely uncontested through the back door and be able to finish at the rim. So everything was looking kind of perfect offensively up until that point. Yeah, I mean, throughout the offense, they, the guys were sharing the ball, making extra passes. You had Davis hit a couple corner threes. You had Chris Boucher hit threes. You had Spicy P. Like, guys were just finding it. I felt like in the corner, Portland was not paying attention and just leaving that wide open, you know. And that's kind of uncharacteristic, especially for a team that was coming off a of back-to-back. You, you, you normally take advantage of it, but they gassed out. Damian Lillard hit a three. Carmelo Anthony hit some big three-pointers. And then, obviously, C.J. McCollum puts him to bed with a nice spin move between the legs, right over the top, pop. 
get that out of the net, game time. And how did you like the fact that they didn't call a timeout there and just let CJ take it coast to coast and kind of do his thing? I mean, that's that's Stotts. You know, I mean, he trusts those guys, and they've they've been able to make plays, especially their guard play. You know, it's not their first rodeo. These game these guys are gamers. You know, Dame, CJ, Melo. When you think about those three, they've made big shots in their career, and it's not you know that that wasn't anything to really to call a timeout and draw up, especially when CJ had the momentum. And he had a guy on the back foot, so he already had the open look. All right, so let's figure out, how do we get to the situation? So the Raptors, they had a huge second quarter lead. They had Their biggest lead of the night was a 17-point lead. That disappears early in the third quarter, but then they build it back up, and then it collapses again. What is it that the Blazers are doing, or I guess what is it that the Raptors defense is doing that allows for these huge leads to get blown over and over again? More mental laps than anything. I think that more focus on offense and just on the defense it just was you know you just can't go bucket for bucket you got to promote stops and at this particular time they were they were giving up too many shots you know what i mean and other opportunities so it is what it is you know on the offensive end they had everything flowing put on the defensive end you still got to get stops and you know the blazers just kept chewing away chewing away each miss was turning into a basket and that's just something that you know maybe the back-to-back is probably kicked in on them and caused them to you know lose those two games but you know now they're instead of going in what two and seven maybe I mean they would have been three and seven leaving this now they're going back two and eight you got to go back to the drawing board I mean and, and, and figure it out but this is not the team that we've seen last year or the year before I mean I don't understand how they're losing because you got the birthday boy Chris Boucher going five for eight from deep 20 points on top of eight boards and three blocks he's got to been giving them everything that they could have hoped for out of the backup center position now that Abaka is gone. But obviously, it's just not quite enough. I think Boucher should be starting, honestly. I mean, they have a better chance of winning a ball game without Lynn and Baines on the floor and have a good flow. But, I mean, I guess they're going to stick with what's going on and continue to bring Boucher off the bench. But I prefer him to get more playing time than those two guys. So, yeah, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. I mean, Nurse is pretty good with making adjustments and figuring it out. I just don't know if this team has enough to, you know, get to where they need to be. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfume, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's head over to Charlotte where the Hornets had a pretty easy win, 109-88 to 88, over the New York Knicks. This was Gordon Hayward's big night in a battle between the two teams that were throwing all that cash money at him this offseason. Tibbs even said before the game that Hayward was the top guy on their free agency big board. Well, he ended up with Charlotte, and he ended up with 28 points in the first half. Only finished the game with 34 points, but it was a very well-rounded performance for him. 11 for 17 from the field, 10 for 10 from the line, three boards and three dimes. So what did you think of Hayward's performance? Oh, man, Hayward was exceptional, especially in the first half, 28 points, just making all the right shots, got to the line a bunch of times, set the tone totally, you know, and then everybody else kind of got in line. You got guys like P.J. Watson, I mean, Washington stepping in, Terry Rozier, obviously, he's becoming one of my favorite rebounding point guards right now. And then, you know, Graham's been getting a a tough slack because a lot of people want, you know, LaMelo Ball to start, but he actually had a decent game this game, and, you know, I think he really needed that, and and they're continuing to, you know, do what they need to do to compete. And obviously they punched New York in the mouth. New York didn't have a chance from the jump. But they're looking effective. You know, Gordon Hayward is averaging 21 points a game. A lot of people have kind of written him off, you know what I mean, joining this squad and, you know, obviously critiquing his contract. And he's backing it up. Oh, yeah, it's pretty apparent. I mean, you got to forget about the number. And I, I mean, frankly, the number looks fine, at least for this year, while he's still in his prime. It's really more about the years that they're giving him. But, I mean, you saw in this game, the Hornets, they get out to a 19-5 to start. It never really got that close after that. I mean, this was, I mean, the Knicks, they did have a lead at one point, but that evaporated. Uh, you know, the Hornets, never, the Hornets just seemed like they were in control the entire time. But I really like the synergy between LaMelo and Hayward. There's a lot of plays, and especially in that first quarter, where Hayward is being the role man, screening for LaMelo, and LaMelo's finding him. And it's just, it's like, comically easy for Hayward who's someone who already is pretty good using space I don't know how long they're going to be able to make the you know that point guard rotation work because they've just got too many point guards for not enough minutes although maybe they'll be able to play all three of them but Melo certainly is playing his way into the rotation he's not getting blocked at all by Rozier and uh, Graham yeah I mean when the time's right I definitely think that he'll be the starter but at the moment I think that I mean, as long as they're winning games, there's no big deal. There's no crazy riffraff in the locker room. I heard of, you know, local commentators say that Rozier's being dangled, you know what I mean, and, you know, other teams are interested. Whatever they choose to do, I mean, you know, whether they choose to move Graham out or, you know, start LaMelo or move Terry Rozier out of, out of the city of Charlotte, who knows? As long as they're winning ball games, it doesn't even matter. And guys are continuing, like you said, the connection between Ball and Hayward. Ball also has a connection with Michael Bridges, Miles Bridges, sorry. And Miles Bridges is playing exceptionally well, and P.J. Washington as well. So I like this young core in general that they have over here. 
Yeah, I mean, Terry Rozier has kind of been in trade rumors ever since he got to the NBA, and I don't know, I don't know if that's ever going to change. But uh, you know, Miles Bridges as a six man has been very interesting to see because Hayward is now starting over him, and then PJ Washington starts at the four, and Bismack Biombo starts at the five. And Bridges was terrific in this game. He had 13 points in 26 minutes, shot five or six, hit a couple nice threes, you know, did everything around the court defensively. This was, I think, a great example of the kind of balance that this team has to have a you know a playoff rotation. They're five and five right now. This is a team that seems like they have a chance at fighting for that play-in game. Yeah, I mean, they can definitely be a wild card sleeper team, whatever you want to call it. They're fun also. That's the thing. Like they're continuing to grow and and be entertaining. You know, Rozier is very athletic guard. You got Gordon Hayward could fill it up. And then obviously all eyes are on LaMelo Ball. He's getting better each game. He had a triple double. He could have had a back to back triple double last week. And I think that he's continued to, you know, get better. And, and, you know, obviously he's very marketable. You mentioned about, you know, him learning how to rebound and play the way he plays by playing 21 with his brothers. And like I said, those are the things that's needed. It's a breath of fresh air, especially coming from that franchise with uh, the bad picks that have been brought in in years before them. All right, well, we got to quickly touch on the Knicks. They had three guys hit three-pointers tonight, which is not good in the modern NBA. Kevin Knox, he put up a lot of shots. He went 5 for 12 from deep. He was their leader with 19 points. R.J. Barrett, it was a tough night for him, 5 for 18 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. But he did have five assists and nine boards. I mean, What did you see out of the Knicks? Is there anything in this game that would provide some modicum of optimism? Kevin Knox needs to play more. I mean, obviously, Alec Burks is, is very missed from the three-point shooting. Kevin Knox got it going early, and he sat too long. Not sure what they're going to do with their point guard situation. I mean, quickly, it's kind of inconsistent. Alfred Payton eating up minutes. Like, it's a lot of guys that's just, you know, it's unforced turnovers, bad shots. I mean, R.J. Barrett continues to struggle. You know, you could just go down the line. You know what I mean? Like, this team is just inconsistent. You know, when they're winning – Everybody loves them when they're bad. It's just typically bad. And, I mean, I'm not going to beat up on them because there's some growing pains with this team, and they definitely could do better. But I, I just don't understand what Tibbs is going to be doing, you know, from, from that from that standpoint. And tonight they just they got ran. They never, they never were ready for this game. Their pick-and-roll defense was pretty atrocious in this game. There were just so many free rolls that the Hornets had through the middle. Their point-of-attack defense isn't good either. And, you know, they have Alfred Payton playing the point right now as their starting point guard. He did go 7-for-14 from the field. I'll give him credit. He at least had an efficient shooting night. And Emmanuel, quickly, I like him as a potential. He could be a guy that starts at the one if R.J. Barrett is the one handling the rock for the most part. But quickly is really an off-ball score and he's miscast that they have him at the point. So they certainly uh, have an incomplete roster, but, you know, we knew that was going to be the case, and it's probably going to be the case until next offseason. But, you know, for a team that's still kind of halfway to where they're trying to get to, comparing them to the Hornets, clearly there's a discrepancy between who's the more exciting team to watch. I mean, the Hornets are just so much more fun to watch. Let's get to the news. So we have one huge news story dominating everything, and that is the shutdowns happening across the NBA. We had three postponements this week. You heard about it on last show that the Celtics and Heat were postponed on Sunday. On Monday, the 
Mavs and the Pelicans were postponed due to the Mavs falling below that eight-player threshold of healthy players. And then for Tuesday night, we had the Celtics being the ones that had to pull out this time. Even though it was the Heat that had to postpone the Celtics game on Sunday, this time it was the Celtics having to postpone their game against Chicago on Tuesday. Because of that, the NBA's GMs met again on Monday, and we're still waiting to see what will really come out of that. That'll be tangible. And the Board of Governors will be meeting on Tuesday. Now, Monday morning, Tim Cato and I came out with a story about the NBA's COVID protocols in light of the fact that the team that I covered, the Celtics, had a shutdown. His team that he was covering, the Mavericks, we realized were on path to a shutdown when we started putting the story together, and they ended up actually having a shutdown. So we put a story together talking to expert epidemiologists about whether the NBA's COVID protocols actually make sense considering that they're playing basketball together. So let's bring Tim onto the show. So Tim Cato, Dallas Mavs writer for The Athletic, you had a fun little story this morning with uh, some writer I've heard of before, Jared Weiss, I believe is the name, uh, about the NBA's COVID protocols and what appears to be some potentially impactful lapses within the protocols. So how did you end up coming up with this article? Well, obviously, the the genius of Jared uh, Weiss, uh, are we are we saying? You know, he came to me with the idea and just was like, "Here's this thing. I'll do all the work. Put your put your name on it." I mean, classic Jared Weiss move right there. Now, so you know, it's it's funny. I was on Twitter. I saw a lot of people confused about the way that contract tracing worked in the NBA, and I was one of them. I too was confused about how contract tracing actually worked and why, when a player you know tests positive the morning after after a game. You know, just, you know, we're talking hours after, you know, sharing post-ups and man defense and, you know, fouls and collisions and, you know, standing next to each other, the free throw lines, all, all this very close contact, why that wasn't necessarily caught by the contract tracing. Um, so as I started looking into it, um, it, it started to become more apparent that the NBA believed that you could not transmit um, or there was a very low probability or very low risk of transmitting COVID-19 on a basketball court during a game, which just did not strike me as being accurate. So uh, at that point, it was like, all right, this is something that's worth looking into. The big thing that we found, because both you and I talked to different epidemiologists with expertise in treating COVID, the big thing we were finding is that it's a pretty obvious thing that you want to try to eliminate the risk of transmission while people are sitting on benches or they're in transportation together, whether it's on the plane or the bus or whatever. You know, those are areas where you can pretty clearly control it. And that seems to be a major focal point for the league. But there's just this obvious issue of that when you're huffing and puffing really hard from playing sports and you're doing aerobic exercise, you are just blasting potentially COVID particles into the air right in someone's face. And they can certainly absorb enough viral load from the air to become infected and transmit. It does stem from a from a legitimate center of disease control mandate or guideline that that was, you know, initially released where, you know, they do recommend that if you're within a six feet of someone for 15 minutes or more, your chances, you know, and that person is is positive, is contagious. Um, your chances of getting, you know, contracting COVID-19 in those circumstances does become much, much higher. So the NBA looked at that rule and then tried to, I guess, apply it, you know, how much they're sharing pick picking and how much they're, you know, kind of knew what they're doing is anybody's guess. But they tried to apply this rule, which was really meant for average scenarios and average people, not for, you know, you know, high intensity athletic workout, 
that involves contact between the various you know individuals at play here. So applying that rule just didn't make sense, and and that's and that's what we really got a resounding you know confirmation on when we talked to the the, the doctors and the the viral experts that we did was that while perhaps good intentioned or or well intentioned using that CDC rule for basketball games just did not work. I mean, we understand obviously that you can't play the game in a manner that's not going to have a level of risk. We have seen some colleges play with masks on. It's possible that we could see players playing with masks on, but I'd be very surprised if that happens. But so basically there is this kind of required cognitive dissonance that has to happen for you to be able to continue playing basketball. And, you know, this is just somewhat inherent because obviously it's not like the league and the doctors that they're working with are stupid. They obviously know what they're doing here and they're trying to find a way to carry out the league as best as possible. But we're now in this situation where the Celtics have had two games. Po- so the Heat had their game postponed with the Celtics. That was triggered by the Heat. Now the Celtics, they had their game postponed for Tuesday with the Bulls, which is triggered by the Celtics. And then the Mavericks just had their Monday night game postponed. That was triggered by the Mavericks. So there, we're in the situation here where games are starting to more rapidly become postponed. The league has to consider a possible suspension just for a little bit of time, just to you know, potentially just clear out all the spread. But we know that the Board of Governors is meeting on Tuesday. The GMs, they met on Monday, trying to figure out what changes to the protocols need to be put into place. What kind of changes do you think we could see happen over the course of the next week? It sounds like the NBA increasingly is looking to create a bubble, you know, without an actual bubble being present, where they're going to tell players that, you know, you go to your hotels and, you know, from the airport to hotels, to the arena, you get food, you know, pretty much at the hotel or at the arena. And then you go back to the hotel and, and, and you back to the airport and, and you go home. You know, if, if that's the level that they're cracking down and, and really preventing players from these activities or even the risk of activities that, that would help contract or, or tr- continue transmission of COVID, it would look a lot like the bubble or it would try to look like a lot like the bubble without the bubble actually being present though i think there is a fear that you're just going to get a lot of unhappy players who are very limited in what they can do once again without you know the actual benefits of actually having everybody in one place and locked down um in everything that they're within that the orlando bubble did have and so i think that's that's the fear and that's why increasingly it does seem like something like a a temporary suspension might be the safer or or just more logical situation. If you look at the Maverick scenario in particular, you know, I I don't know with any certainty, but it's very possible they will not have eight available players. If they have more positive tests in the coming days, they won't have eight available players until at least next weekend or, or this coming weekend, perhaps longer than that. So you're saying that NBA players have to be like the rest of us and just go home and be around their families and not go out and do stuff? It's kind of absurd, right? Yeah. If they can handle a life of an NBA blogger. Not everybody's cut out for this, Jared. No, I mean, the blog boy lifestyle is an incredibly dedicated and diligent lifestyle. It's a lo- it involves a lot of ramen and a lot of bagel bites. Really, the, the 1% of the 1%. And, and that's us. All right. Thanks, as always, Deb. Thanks. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like the Athletic NBA Show, No Dunks, 
and House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. And don't forget to follow on the app where you can get notifications for new episodes and you can utilize the podcast episode comment section. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. Get a subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding. You never know when these promos end, so get there soon. And thank you, as always, all of you for waking up with us. Trey, take us out of here. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.